Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here this morning. We welcome you to speak to us. We ask that you would just highlight your truth. You'd awaken our hearts this morning. Jesus, we just thank you that you're here and we just turn our attention to you. We give you our praise, our honor. We thank you. We praise you. Last week, we started a series called Home Alone. Anybody like the movie? Yeah? Three people. Anybody hate the movie? (laughs) In our house, it's a split vote. I love it. I grew up with it. Liel hates it. She's like, no, it's awful. Who leaves a kid home alone? (laughs) Who does that? What a terrible storyline. This morning I want to look at, we're, we're talking about, we're not just talking about the movie, don't worry. Um, but as, as humans, we have this deep need to belong. So much so that, that culturally we, we build in, our, our sense of belonging is so strong, it's so deep-seated as humans. And, and culturally, we try and address that by, by what's called tribalism. Um, we, we start to, to segregate ourselves. Right? This isn't about segregating other people. This is about we, start to, we segregate ourselves or we surround ourselves with people who think like us, with the same ideals, who look like us. And it's, it's actually a form of tribalism. So we, we organize or we, we find uh, belonging based on common held beliefs or traits. Uh, maybe it's race, maybe it's gender, maybe it's economic status or sexuality, political viewpoint, nationality. And we can create these groups. Like, if, you, if you've ever traveled, there are certain places you can go to, and, and everyone who... Um, like, okay, for example, when I went to Bible school in England... I left Canada to get away from Canadians. But guess who Bible school was all full of? You're thinking Canadians, but it's worse. Americans. (laughs) Somebody somebody else said it. I didn't say it. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I have some great uh, friends who are American. But there's this thing where where we actually, we tend to gather together with like-minded people. In a, in, a set, in, in a way of addressing our own deep desire for belonging. 
maybe, maybe you've noticed this. What, what's happened is as social media has become popular, it's a lot easier to cut out people with... First of all, you, you hear people's deep held, deeply held opinions, which used to just be in their heads and stay there, which was probably sometimes better. But what, what happens is, is you hear those, and then it's never been easier to just cut those out of your life. Like, we don't have to sit down with somebody with an opposing view from us and have a discussion. Right? We just unfollow. Unfollow. And so we actually, whether we do it intentionally or not, we build tribalism, and we surround ourselves with people who just think like us. Everyone else stays out. And unfortunately, we've actually done this in the church, and it's, it's what some people look at and they say, well, you have so many denominations, and, and some of that is, is just various ways of expressing, but some of it we've, we've held on to so strongly that it's actually become a form of tribalism, where we engage with certain people and rebuke others as, whatever, heretics or where, where we, we build around us a tribe of people who think like us, who look like us. And you see what happens is this, this mindset that we started talking about last week, this home alone mindset. It's about keeping other people out. Right? There wouldn't be much of a movie when it comes to Home Alone if Kevin was just like, hey, come on in, I made you dinner. Right? You guys know the premise of the movie? The kid sets a whole bunch of traps to keep people out of his house. Right? And, and often we do that ourselves. We, we build around us masks and traps to keep people at a distance. And so this mindset, what it does is it actually isolates us. Often it actually comes from a place of, of us not feeling like we belong. And yet the message that the angels brought 2,000 years ago. As we said last week, it was the most inclusive Message. It said, the angel said, this is good news for all people everywhere. This message that, that brings with it an invitation into the family of God. That actually addresses the deepest felt need in humanity. To have a place to belong. To belong to something bigger than yourself. And so angels showed up in a field to some shepherds. And we're going to pick up the, the story in Luke chapter 2, verses 15. You can turn with me there, Luke chapter 2. And these angels come to declare the birth of Jesus. I'm actually going to read a little bit uh, before for those of you who weren't here last week. Starting at verse 10, it says, But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. 
and it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by the mirac- this, mirac- this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared to the very armies of heaven. And they praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go, let's hurry and find the word that is born in Bethlehem, and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran into the village and found, they found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby laying in a feeding trough. From the very beginning, the news of belonging that the angels brought to the shepherds was meant to be shared. The angels brought it to the shepherds, and then it says they went and saw, and then they went and shared. The angels told the shepherds, the shepherds glorified God. The shepherds told the people, the people were in awe. It wasn't just, imagine this for a second. Imagine if the shepherds had come and they had seen the angels and said, Oh, this is awesome. We better tell all the other shepherds. Nobody else. This will just be the shepherd's secret. Then we'll start a shepherd's guild and then people will come and they'll pay us to tell them a little bit. Right? But we will be the ones, we'll be the important ones. For finally, we have our chance at importance. We go from the lowest class to the highest class. So we're only going to tell shepherds. But it actually goes on, and this is what it says. It says, Upon seeing the miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. So they go and they encounter Jesus revealed in a feeding trough. The king of heaven laying in a manger. And their natural response is, we need to tell every single person we can find. Isn't that incredible? There is something about good news that it requires us to share it. You see, as last week we talked about a, a home alone mindset or a, a mindset of a child who is orphaned. When we live with that kind of mindset, we're living from a place of lack. I don't have enough. I am not going to have enough, so I better hoard what I have. When we live with that kind of mindset, there's no desire for sharing. We're not opening up and being like, hey, I have nothing. Come and eat what I have. Right? There's a, there's a term, all right, in, in English, there's a term called regifting. 
Who's guilty of regifting? We forgive you. I was listening to the radio the other day, and they were talking about, you know, what is an okay gift to re-gift? And they're like, well, you know, if the, cho- if the box of chocolates hasn't been opened yet, like if you haven't tasted each one, then it might be okay to re-gift. You know, a nice bottle of wine, maybe. But th- there's this thing about re-gifting that it actually comes from a mindset of abundance. Right? If somebody gives you something and you don't have it, there's, there's less chance that you're going to regift it. But if you have it or you have too many things, or that's where this idea of regifting comes from. It's actually, like, how many of you know if you're getting one present in a year, you're probably not going to regift it? Right? There's a mindset that, that comes with it of an, an abundance mindset. I have more than enough, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give out. And so as we look at what does it look like to live from the perspective of belonging, that, that the Christmas story is actually, that, that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we are actually celebrating God's invitation to mankind. His invitation that says, come and become part of my family. Come and be a son and a daughter. That is the news that the, that the that the uh, angels came as, as front runners for. That Jesus was coming as an invitation to the world to say, come and be part of my family. Jesus came to reveal the Father to an orphan world. When, when, the, she- when the... Man, I'm getting tongue-tied this morning. I apologize not the shepherds, the angels. When the angels declared glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. What is that peace and what does it look like? What is that hope? Isn't it fitting that, that the king of the universe would come and be born, he would humble himself and be born to address the deepest felt need in humanity? Our need to belong to something. Isn't it incredible that, that God would look at us and he would say, I want you in my family. I want you as my son. I want you as my daughter. See, what we believe about our father influences how we treat the people around us. With a home alone mindset, the goal is to keep others out. But with the Holy Spirit, the goal is to re-gift what you've received. When we understand who our Father is, that when, when you come into relationship with Jesus, it actually, you actually die to your old self and you are, re, you are given a new life in Christ as a child of the Most High King, as a child of God. When we understand that, it completely shifts our paradigm. 
You, you can't look at God and say, wow, you are so generous. You own everything and you are so generous, but I'm going to be stingy. Because we, as his children, are called to reflect our parents. There's something that actually happens when it comes to raising children. And some parents, we don't like this because what happens is people look at our kids and it's a reflection of us as a parent. We're like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> but but it, it's true. Our, our kids actually reflect who we are as parents. Our call, our, our spiritual call is to look like our father. So we need to understand that, that our father is a good father. That regardless of what the situation you've lived through here on earth up until the age you are now, regardless of what your earthly father looks like, there is God who is father who is always good. He is better than you could imagine. He is kinder than you can imagine. He's more generous than you can imagine. Some of you have been holding beliefs like, well, some sickness is from God. And it's caused you to, to doubt the goodness of God. Sickness is not from God. It is not in his nature. It is not in his character. And he can't give what he doesn't have. You believe that maybe sickness or trials is God trying to teach you a lesson. Like he's got you bent over a barrel and he's got the belt up ready to to teach you something. That is not the nature of the Father. In Colossians, it actually says that Jesus is the perfect representation that all of the fullness of God dwells in Christ. Which means nothing is missing. So when we look at who is our Father, it's perfectly reflected in the nature of Jesus. Did Jesus get angry? Yes. But you know he got, who he got angry with? The religious people. The people who were so caught in their ways that they wouldn't have faith for something more. What you believe about your father will either cause you to hoard what you have or to re-gift what you have. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I love this passage. Romans chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 14. 14 to 17. This is what it says. It says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. Everyone say, enfolding you. Now say enfolding me, because it's easier to say about somebody else than it is about yourself. Enfolding me into the family of God. 
and you will never feel orphaned. Come on, that's good news. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. Some of your translations will say Abba, Father, which is actually, Abba is the Hebrew word for Father, but it's more like Daddy. Where we cry out, Daddy. Is there any exclamation from a child to a father that is more intimate? I, I sometimes, my kids will, will test out different names for me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not going there. But they're, they're, sometimes they'll just, all right, I'll, I'll say this. Sometimes they'll just try out the, the phrase, hey, dad. And, and part of me cringes because what I sense in that is a disconnect. There's something about daddy that is more intimate than dad. Right, that, that somebody who says, well, like, and, and, and we don't do this often as adults because we're like, we're, we've grown up now. Now you're my dad. But about, about that intimate connection of saying, daddy. This passage is actually, Paul is actually saying in this passage that the Holy Spirit lives in you and he cries out, Abba, Father, and your spirit rises up within you and you have this incredible worship service where you are both, or prayer time, where you are both crying out, Abba, Father. See, the, the, the point of, of what we talked about last week, which was the, the, what it looks like to have an orphan heart or to have a home alone mentality. This isn't for you to, to be like, well, I guess I just have an orphan heart and I've got to work on that and another thing to add to the list. But that's just who I am, so you better deal with it. No, what Paul is saying in this passage is that at the point that you are enfolded into the family of God, that you are invited to be sons and daughters, that old mindset dies. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise. The old mindset dies and you are made a new creation. The purpose of understanding that, that we once lived as orphans but now live as fathers isn't just be like, well, I guess I'm still living as an orphan. Shucks. Nothing I can do about it. It's to understand that when those thoughts come, they are not from the Father. That when you feel orphaned, you read a passage like this that says, and you will never feel orphaned. That at the point that you come into the family of God, the old dies. It goes into the ground, never to be resurrected. That is not who you are. You are not an orphan. And it is the Holy Spirit inside of you that transforms you into sons and daughters. That actually changes the way you think. It's as the Holy Spirit lives in us that I go from, you know what, I don't really want to help anybody out to, you know, how can I reflect the generosity of my Father? Not as a statement of religious duty, but as an invitation to display the nature of your Father to the world. 
And what's incredible is that in this story, the one who was redeemed is sent out to gather more and invite them to the party. When we start to understand how good God actually is, like the shepherds, we can't just hold it to ourselves. We have to go out and share it. In Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 19, it says that the entire universe is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Do you realize that all of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed? Why? Because children reflect the nature of their father. And all of creation is looking for a revelation of God. So 2,000 years ago, a baby was born to invite humanity to be sons and daughters of the king. And all of creation is waiting. Some translations actually, I think it says, yeah, this one here, it says, the universe is standing on tiptoe. I love that. Standing on tiptoe, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be How incredibly redemptive that those who were once orphans are then sent out to bring in the orphans and invite them into the family. Isn't that incredible? And so this invitation, the Christmas story, actually changes our priorities from being that of keeping others out to inviting everyone that we can find in. That's why this is good news for everyone, everyone, everywhere, because there is nobody that is left out. There is nobody that this doesn't apply to. There is nobody where God says, no, sorry, you're not welcome here. Every single person. If you're here this morning, you're like, well, I don't think God wants me. He wants you so badly that he would sacrifice his own son to invite you into the family. Jesus so wants you in his family that he would give up the glories of heaven to come and give that news to you. Matthew 5.14 says, Your lives light up the world. Let others see your life from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? When we come into God's family, we aren't just invited to sit there and be like, well, now I'm a son and I just can sit here until God takes me up to heaven. Our role then becomes that of displaying the nature of the Father to the world. 
You know, it's one thing to, it's so often we can be like, well, that person over there and that person over there, they're not doing it right. And it, it actually shifts the attention off of us because we don't like to be like, well, hang on, how am I doing with this? How am I living as a son and a daughter? How am I doing it in, in my marriage? When people look at my marriage, do they, do they see the glory of God on my marriage? When people look at how I parent, do they see the glory of God on my children? The way I run my business. See, I, I think so often we make sharing this incredible news so difficult because we think, well, it has to be done this way and this way and I'm just not charismatic enough or I'm just not outgoing enough to share this good news. But I bet you it would be a whole lot easier if we would live it first. That by the glory of God resting on his church, his body on earth, we display the nature of the Father. From the gifts that we have received, we give out to the world. for the purpose of inviting them. Every single person on earth to the table saying, hey, God loves you. He cares about you. It's, it's, it's a shift from a no longer going it alone, trying to figure it out on our own. to actually allowing people, sorry, actually allowing the Holy Spirit to come and transform us, to change the way we think. We're almost out of time, and and I'm going to wrap up here in a couple minutes, but Romans chapter 12. You can turn there if you want. Um, but I'm going to read it really quick. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. If we're trying to carry things across, across the cross, the, 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 the mindsets the ways of thinking of an orphan world. We're trying to carry those into sonship. We're always going to run into problems. Life's going to feel like it doesn't measure up, that there's going to be things that... But, but when we stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture, stop imitating the orphan mindset, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit by letting him do a total renewal. Totally changing the way you think. Then it goes on, uh, Paul goes on to say, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. 
God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value with appropriate self-esteem. And jumping down to verse 6, God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. As God has given you gifts, it is not meant to be limited by your comfort. It's meant to be only limited by your faith. Whatever proportion of faith you have, use your gifts in that way to display who the Father is to the world. You see, there's, there's something... Often we, we look at, at evangelists or we look at teachers or people on a platform or we're like, well, I can't do that, so therefore I can't display God's nature to the world. But what if there's gifts that God has laid, that is, he's, he's given to you by his grace, that you are called to activate in faith? To put into practice so that people see the glory of God on your life. He says, he goes on, he says, if your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then by actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to uh, encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Church, there's something that we are called to. It's not just getting along and not killing each other. We're actually called to operate in a way where God's glorious presence rests on us. And when people look at us, they're invited into an encounter with their Father. There's actually something, some of you have the gift, I I just want to address this one thing. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. And you're like, well, that's nothing in comparison to this gift or that gift. But I want to say to you this morning, the gift of hospitality preaches the gospel without using words. You invite people in and you make them feel at home. What more could display the nature of a father 
who is inviting the world through adoption to be his children. Through serving others. Some of you, you're like, well, well, I can't be up on stage. I get nervous and I get tongue-tied. But you know what? By serving others. When you choose to, to serve in a way that doesn't just be, say, well, I guess I have to do this. But wow, I get to serve. There's a, the, the glory of God rests on that heart, on that mindset. And it displays the nature of your father. Are you guys with me? Are you sure? I love how it says that that we should try to outdo ourselves in the way we honor one another. Do you know that in the way that you honor, in the way that you speak about people, if you choose to speak, life will actually display to the world the nature of the Father. But all of these things, all the things that I just read, we can read them and be like, all right, now I need to do this and this and this and this and this. Except that it all comes out of, first, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. About Him changing the way, reforming the way you think. So that you will think like sons and daughters instead of thinking like orphans. And that's not something that has to happen tomorrow. That's something that happens the moment you come into His family. I can't stress that enough that there is no carryover from the old life to the new life. The old is dead, is buried with Christ, and you are raised to new life with Christ. With a mindset of a son and a daughter. When you live home alone, the goal is to keep others out. But with the Holy Spirit, the goal is to re-gift what you've received. The greatest message we can bring this Christmas is the message of belonging. An invitation to be part of a family, to carry an invitation of belonging to those who are in darkness and who are living as though they're home alone. So let's choose to be people who live uncompromising. Instead of forming into what everyone thinks you should look like. Instead of conforming with the cultural ideas and mindsets. To say, no, I'm actually going to shine like a city on a hill. So that when people see me, they will bring glory to God. That they will know his invitation to the family. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray this morning that you would awaken our hearts. 
that we wouldn't just be content with what we've always had. But that you would awaken in us a hunger this morning. To see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. To see your kingdom evident in our lives so that people know your invitation. We thank you this morning that we are not called into religious duty, but that we're called as sons and daughters. So I ask that you would awaken us this morning. That we wouldn't settle for anything less than what you paid for, Jesus. That we wouldn't believe the lie that we are still the old person. In Jesus' name.